Second Kings chapter 18. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord. It's so good to be in church. Great day. It's good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. During that eight weeks from Passover to Pentecost, my wife and I would come down here during church services on Sunday night. We just had to be in the house of God. And uh, there were times we came in and uh, there, the chapel was still a long, or chapel, the whole new area was still a long ways from being finished. And we'd go through there and pray. And uh, we just had to, we had to put our feet in the house of God. Amen. And uh, it's so good to be in God's house and welcome all of our online campus. And I, I want to talk to you. The last three weeks we've talked about revival in Nineveh. And how God spared a wicked, wicked city. He called them, it's called the great city two times in those passages. I've heard all my life America referred to as a great nation. And uh, I believe God wants to spare America. I, I do believe there's impending judgment. And uh, what, what a man sows, he reaps. What a nation sows, he reaps. If we sow to the flesh, we're going to, of the flesh, reap corruption. But I believe there's enough people that are serious about God in this hour to move uh, the hand of God and, and God, cause God to repent, which means change his mind. Amen. And be merciful to a nation. So I'm a preacher of righteousness. I'm a preacher of revival because I believe God wants to save America. He's not willing that any should perish. 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 1 says, It came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, the son of Elah, king of Israel. Now you remember at this point in Israel's history, there's two nations. There's Israel in the north, Judah in the south. One is ten tribes, one is two tribes. Judah encompasses Jerusalem south. And so... Hoshea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahab, Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. So Ahaz's son, Hezekiah, began to reign. And verse 2 says, 25 years old was he when he began to reign. I want to talk to you because there's a generation of young adults that need to get on fire for God right now. You've grown up with some things that maybe haven't been... Uh, uh, to your, your favor, and maybe you've got some background, some baggage even coming into your, your walk with Christ, I want you to know that God can use some 25-year-olds. Amen. I believe there's a generation of radical people in this hour that are doing some radical things that they just need an encounter with the love of Jesus. I read about Saul, who was a radical, and he just met Jesus and got radical for Christ. God's going to take all of that pent-up energy and, and emotion that for something in life that's bigger than themselves that they want to fight for, and I believe he's going to cause it to be Christianity. Amen. I'm believing for some radical transformations. So 20 and 5 years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned 20 and 9 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abai, the daughter of Zechariah. Look at what Hezekiah did. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father had done. Ahaz was a wicked king. His dad was a wicked king. 
But Hezekiah did something different. He obeyed the law of God. You may be seated. Personal revival always has to begin somewhere. National revival always has to begin somewhere. Revival has a start with a person that realizes that he or she needs to get closer to God. An individual that realizes we need more of God in our life and in our family and in those around us, and they begin to pursue God. There's a catalyst somewhere that God begins to tap and use, a person of interest that has a heart towards God. I, I remember my wife's message, I think it was the women's conference last year, where she talked about Ruth and Naomi and Elimelech, how Elimelech moved his family away from the presence of God. Be careful about moving away from the presence of God. I've watched people during this entire season, uh, this year, uh, and this whole season of, of the virus, I've watched people move closer to God and I've watched people move away from God. And I wanna challenge you. Elimelech moved his family from Bethlehem, the house of bread, to Moab, which was called a wash pot. It literally meant a wash pot. Elimelech dies, his two sons die, and Ruth and Naomi come back to Bethlehem. When she loses everything, she decides, I better get back to the house of bread. You need to move closer to the things of God in this hour, not further from the things of God. John Wesley said concerning revival, if all the sleeping Christians will wake up, if all the lukewarm will fire up, if all the dishonest folk will confess up, if all the disgruntled folk will sweeten up, if all the discouraged folk will look up, if all the estranged folk will make up, if all the gossipers will shut up, if all the dry bones will shake up, if all the true soldiers of Christ will stand up, The church must pray and the church must believe God for revival and we will see revival when people begin to have a heart for God. He said, give me 100 men who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God and I'll shake the world with those men. He knew the premise that I'm talking about tonight that it takes a catalyst of someone that has a heart for God. If you're going to see your family come to God, somebody in that family unit's got to take a stand for God. Somebody's got to have a passion for God and begin to lead that family towards God. Joshua said it this way, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Revival is about people becoming concerned about the state of their family, the state of the church, the state of the nation, willing to begin to pray and seek God for revival in those settings where God has interested them and placed them. We all have lost family members. We all have family members that are not where they ought to be. And the burden of our heart in this season, friends, uh, I'm trying to lead the staff and lead this church family that there's a lot of people that need Jesus in this hour. And America has moved further away from the presence of God. I've watched over the last 30 years, and it's just something about this 30-year mark that our leaders have for so many years just intentionally trying to move America away and shift the pendulum away from God, taking God out of America. We need God back in America. You know, there's some, lead, there's some key areas 
that I believe God needs to be seen in. Government, the arts, education, religion, media, business. All of these by, by some prophetic uh, teachers are mountains that they believe need to be shaken with the presence of God and impacted by, uh, by God in our society. It says in chapter 18, beginning with verse 1 through 3, that Hezekiah did what was right. I want to challenge everyone online, do what is right. I want to challenge everyone in this room. As we lead our families towards God, you've got to begin to do what is right. He sought the Lord. Now, he comes from a dysfunctional family. If I were to ask how many come from dysfunctional backgrounds, friends, there's a lot of people in this present day that do not have uh, home lives and, and backgrounds that were very, very good in their life. His father was not only just a, a non-believer, his father moved the nation away from God. He was anti-Jehovah. Ahaz, literally, if you go back and read the account, he shut the temple up. He led the people in building idolatry and places of, of evil worship. He, he did his best to close down the religion of Jehovah and the worship of Jehovah in the nation. All that he could do by closing the temple, that was an incredible statement. Friends, we have, we're having to take a stand in this day about those that want to close churches across America. If it were up to a lot of people in this hour, I'm telling you, they're coming after our churches. They're, listen to me. Whether you believe it or not, they're trying to shut the church down. They don't want God in America. There are people, and it's not just one party. There's a lot of people, friends, that are in high places that want the church silenced in this hour. And they're anti-Jehovah. Ahaz shut the temple up. There have always been leaders and people who want to close the house of God. And this is what Ahaz did as he led the nation away from God. Back years ago when they took the Bible out of public life and out of our schools, I'm telling you, they knew what they were doing when they were trying to remove God from so many different important places of our society and the Ten Commandments. It says that Hezekiah was 25 years old and he began to reign. He didn't have a good background as far as a natural father, but he had a spiritual father that had great input in his life, and that was the prophet Isaiah. I'm telling you, sometimes we need to realize there's some spiritual men and women around our lives that we need to look to, amen? And I just want to challenge tonight that you men and women that that uh, you've, you're rooted and grounded in the holy faith and you, you know your, your, your bearings are charted and you know what's right in this hour. You need to spread your influence to a young uh, demographic, to an age group of people that are, that are searching and they come from bad, difficult, or dysfunctional backgrounds. And I'm telling you, somebody spoke into Hezekiah's life. Somebody spoke into his life when he came from such a dysfunctional background and he had the prophet Isaiah that was speaking into his life. And we see the impact of that. You can be a prophet. You can be a teacher. You can be a father figure to somebody that needs your godly influence in their life. Somebody say amen. If you're trying to have a family that loves God, Friends, you need to be pattering your life after those that, that are following God and those that are pressing into the things of God. The choice to do right is always a personal choice. And this is what Hezekiah did. He made this personal choice that I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do different than my dad did. My dad closed the, closed the temple, 
Not only did he close the temple, he actually even set up false idols to be worshipped in the temple for a period of time. And, uh, and he took the doors off of the temple. And Hezekiah became very intentional at 25. I just, when I was reading this, uh, uh, I don't know, it was a week or so ago, it just stuck in my spirit that there's a generation that I believe God's ready to tap. There's a generation God's ready to stir up of young adults. And it's not just about young adults. Because you know what? I, I, I believe in generational church. I've explained this so many times over the years because we need the moms and the dads who have been faithful through the years pointing these young people and young adults the right way. We don't need to lose this generation. The church has lost enough of this generation. We're going to start calling back in what we've lost. We're going to start claiming for the harvest. We're going to see a generational revival. Amen. Hallelujah. And so... Uh, Hezekiah had that kind of voice, but he began to move towards the things of God in his leadership. My challenge, friends, is to biblical Christianity in this hour that we cannot, we cannot live outside of the Word of God. We cannot do our own thing. I, I, I said recently that uh, everything about us needs to be based in the Word of God. Your belief system, your personal uh, principles that, that keep you charted for a daily walk they need to be out of the word of God not out of the reader's digest or not out of psychology today we got a lot of influence that isn't necessarily biblical and one day we're going to stand before God and we got to answer according to the scriptures everybody say amen it says that Hezekiah as he began to reign he began to lead in revival. He gets down to business. He doesn't waste time. One of the first things that he does in the first month, I want to point this out, he opened the doors of the temple and had them repaired. There is something about the temple. There is something about the house of worship. The devil knows this. He doesn't want people in worship. And uh, that's why in some of the states they're fighting like ever. I've just... We've been, as pastors, we get a lot of information fed to us about what's going on in, in different areas and pockets where they're fighting the church. Hezekiah opened the temple. He repaired the doors on the temple. He made worship accessible and available to the people. The first month of his administration, he began to see religion, Christi or not Christianity, but uh, Judaism reestablished the worship of Jehovah, reestablished in the land, and he placed of great importance the place of worship. I, I want to tell you that the place of worship and the time of worship is important. I, I understand that we've got people that need to worship online right now, and, and we understand that, but you cannot pull yourself back from being really connected in this hour if you're worshiping online. You cannot just have an experience where you're just watching TV. you got to worship. If you're watching online, listen, my mother has a... Has a her sister in Kansas who watches uh, services online, she gets completely dressed like she would be going to church. She's elderly. She can't get out, but she gets completely dressed. She will not do anything but worship while the worship service is going on. Uh, we we want to get you a, a hamburger and, and eat a bite of a hamburger or, or drink some coffee. Drink. Listen, you can't do that in here. Amen. Don't bring a hamburger in here. Amen. We're here to worship the Lord. You can have your hamburger out there in the lobby at the new cafe when it opens up. I think we had a soft open today, but uh, amen. It'll be open soon, but don't bring the coffee in here to drink while I'm preaching. Amen. 
Amen. I want you worshiping. I want you lifting. In fact, why don't we just lift our hands right now and let's give him some worship. It's about him. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 We didn't put lazy boy chairs in here for you to just be able to sit back and give you a remote so everything's just like you want it. You've come into a house of worship where it ain't about you. It's about him. We've opened the doors to the temple. We've opened the doors to the house of the Lord. We've opened the doors so that Jesus is praised in this house. Well, you didn't sing my song. It ain't about your song. It's about his song. Hallelujah. In verse four, look at verse four. One of the things that Hezekiah did, he broke the images down. There were still images in the house of the Lord. We've got some tradition. We've got some things going on that people are so tied to that they can't even worship Jesus. Look what he did. There was a brazen serpent. Remember when Moses built the brazen serpent? God used the brazen serpent. People got healed looking at the brazen serpent. But for 900 years, they had the brazen serpent, and it actually became an article of worship. What did Hezekiah do? He broke that old serpent up. There's some traditions, there's some things that you've been holding on to that you need to break up and you need to get real with this thing. If you want your children to follow God, if you want your grandchildren to follow God, you better break up some brazen serpents and you better lift up Jesus in your life. Hallelujah. Hezekiah begins with some spiritual leaders, not political leaders. We need to get some spiritual leaders back on fire for God. I, listen, I will never, I, I do not talk about churches. I posted this online this week. I will never talk about another church. I will never talk about another pastor. Don't you come talk to me. When people come to us from other churches and they want to rain on somebody where they were, I said, you don't tell me that. I don't want to hear it. I will not listen to that. Amen. My ears are not garbage cans. Amen. I'm not going to let you sow in my spirit junk that you've been dealing with. We're gonna, we'll move on from right here and we'll start worshiping the Lord, but you're not going to rain on my, what God's doing in my life. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 20, worship begins. It's all about worship. You've got to prepare for worship. In all these first verses, they begin to prepare for worship. Our worship has got to be pleasing to God. It's got to be consecrated worship, dedicated worship, a sacrifice of worship. My friends, it's all about him and lifting him up. Hezekiah was not a priest. He was not a Levite, but he made accessible. I'm thankful for those. I'm thankful for those that, uh, you know, in our state, they, they said churches were essential. Well, thank God, but I've got, I, got uh, I believe they're more than essential, friends. They're, they're important, more important than essentials. Amen. Thank God that... Uh, that uh, they allowed us to come back together. But friends, there comes a time that we have to realize it's about eternal salvation. We're trying to keep men out of hell. We're trying to keep men out of eternity away from God. Amen. I, I want to talk to you always in the month of June. I try to re go over a little history of America. And um, I want to thank Frankie Anderson, one of the ladies of the church. She does a lot of research for us about our American history. She's uh, uh, got some great degrees in our, our history of our nation. And uh, I, 
she had sent me a lot of information back in June, and I just didn't feel it was time. You know, you, you know when God's dealing with you, and you know that there's a timing to everything that you preach, and some things you just sit on for a period of time, and some things you just hold for a period of time. And uh, tonight, I, I wanted to just share about during the colonial days. Because during the colonial days in the 1730s and 1740s, secular uh, rationalism was being emphasized. The passion for religion had died out. It was an age of reason, an age of enlightenment. It was a, a logical worldview was what was being proposed, and they were downplaying what they called religion, but it was more than just religion. It was Christianity. Religion had become less personal Church attendance among the colonies had plummeted. Now, having gone from a, a great period into a, a spiritual slump in our, our, our birthing nation, religion had become, uh, the Christians were feeling complacent. Wealth and rationalism were being dominated by the culture. The 13 colonies had become so divided. There was such division in this, birth, uh, this birthing nation. The awakening resulted, though, as powerful preachers began to get in their pulpits and preach the holy word of God and preach the righteousness of God and preach against sin. Jonathan Edwards got up during that first great awakening and preached sinners in the hands of an angry God. And people began to get saved and they began to realize they have a personal responsibility before God to get the sin out of their life and to begin to live holy lives. There were other great preachers during that time. Samuel Davies, George Whitfield, uh, to name a few, and Jonathan Edwards. And they were preaching about revival, about being convicted. When have we heard a sermon about the convicting power of the Holy Spirit? Friends, we need to pray that people get convicted. That people get awakened during their night sleeps that God aroused them and awakened them and they begin to realize, oh God, I need you in my life. I need you in my life. It spread across the colonies and there was great revival, great repentance, and it was called a great awakening. It touched all ethnicities and all generations. It touched all denominations. On and on because pastors dared to get up and preach the word of God. Men need the word of God. I emphasize to all our preachers, I want to hear the word. 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 I want you to get us in a passage and preach that passage to us. And Hezekiah did this because he was leading the nation back towards God. Patriot pastors and the birthing of our nation understood the importance of the Word of God. And many Christians down through America's history have understood how important the Word of God is. And friends, we've got to rightly divide the Word. We've got to stand for the Word. We've got to be biblical in our stances. We're all going to stand before God, and God is going to judge every one of us by His Word, not by what we feel. We've raised a generation about, it's all about what you feel and what you think. No, it ain't about what you feel and what you think. It's about what God thinks. It's about what this word says. And there are things that this word says are right, and there are things that this word says are wrong, and we've got to live by God's standards, not by what we make up. Amen. And America's got to come home to God. America's got to come back to the, the moorings. The, 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 uh, I was talking with our missionary in, uh, in Abaco yesterday, Bob Cornea, and I was asking him how things are in Marsh Harbor, and he said it's still just a terrible mess. 
But he said, you know, my son, and his, he had the, his son had the largest marina on the island of, of Abaco, and it was right there in Marsh Harbor, and it was totally destroyed. But he said he has re-put all of his pilings in for all of his docks. All of those pilings, they've been dr driven down very deep. He said, hopefully they'll never uh, have this problem again. I want to tell you, you better, you better sink some heavy pilings in this hour. Because there are winds of false doctrine. There are winds of change. There are winds of, of evil. The Bible says in the last days, evil is going to wax worse and worse. You better, you better have your grounding deep. Because, friends, the storms are here and the storms are going to keep coming until Jesus comes. But I've got good news that when evil waxes worse and worse, there's going to be a standard that's lifted up. There's going to be the name of Jesus that uh, is greater than all the assailment of the enemy. The devil has done been defeated friends hallelujah I want the worship team to come back we're going to pray over America our nation has drifted from biblical Christianity I heard a leader in our nation this week say that abortion is completely scriptural this is a spiritual leader a spiritual leader of a very large organization. It is completely scripted. I want to tell you, the blood is crying out. The blood is crying out. If you don't think you're going to stand before God about that, every man will answer concerning that one day. The blood is crying out. The blood, is, I'm going to say it one or two more times, the blood is crying out. We need, a, we need God back in America. You, you can talk to people till they're blue in the face, but friends, they can sit in services and they can get under the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God can convict them in one moment. Paul, Saul on the road to Damascus, he, he was blinded by that great light. He was struck off of his steed and God got his attention. I, I'm just, I've been praying that God, I, listen, I pray for everybody. I, I don't pray that God will strike people dead. I'm praying that they'll have a life change. I'm praying, listen, because they can be radical, just as radical as they are for the devil, they can be radical for Jesus. And so I'm praying for people that they've lost their moorings, they've lost their, they've lost their senses. I mean, some of this is just crazy stuff. And they need, to, they need an encounter with Jesus. I want everybody to stand. Hallelujah. Hezekiah, he had an Isaiah in his life. And I'm convinced that some of you men out there tonight you need to be an Isaiah in somebody's life this week. You need to be an Isaiah in somebody's family. Some of you moms, some of you ladies that are so, you're so founded in your faith. You need to start speaking into people's lives. We, we, silent Christianity is not going to cut it in this hour. I'm telling you, disciples are not silent Christians. Amen. We've got to let our light shine. We've got to cause this world to turn to the saving knowledge of, of Jesus. We've been having, listen, over the last few weeks, we've been having people from a lot of walks of life come into these services. I, I'm so thankful for what God's doing. It's amazing. I give God glory. I've just, some of the things I know, people from all kinds of walks of life. And God's just been drawing them and bringing them. And people are going to come in here and they need to know Jesus. They need to encounter the cross. They need to see Jesus high and lifted up. 
They need to have a, a, a witness in their spirit that they need to t- humble themselves and turn to God, turn from their w- wicked ways. I w- Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've watched Christians backslide in the last few months. I've watched Christians post stuff that I think, Lord, forgive them. I've got people on my prayer list right now that I I just weep over because I know stuff that's going on. I, I just can't believe. I cannot believe Christians have fallen that far from the things of God. My wife and I pray over some people that we know that are just on our heart that we're just, I mean, it just saddens our spirit. How, how could you dare backslide just before Jesus comes back? How could you dare not be on fire for God and realize I've, I've got to be a Hezekiah in this hour. I've got to be a man or woman of God. I've got to be a young person of God. At 18 years of age, I knelt. I, I grew up in pastor's home and, and was always, you know, a leader in the youth group and so but. Something happened at 18 that I knew there had to be, there had to be another level. And I knelt in my bedroom at my dad and mom's home. And I can take you there on Crown Drive. Matt and Kim Nunnally own that home now. Amen. It's the middle bedroom. Amen. And I knelt beside my bed. And I said, Jesus, I'm all in. Pastor Jordan talked about breaking the flask this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you break that flask, You don't have anything to go back to. You don't have anything to go back to. It's all about Jesus. It's all about getting men saved. It's all about seeing revival. It's all about seeing our homes and our families come to God in this hour. Hallelujah. 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 I went to Bible college, and and friends, numbers of my Bible college classmates are not in ministry today and not even serving God. And I thought, What's happened? What's happened? Where's that fire for God? Where's that passion for living for Jesus? Every one of us have got to stand before God someday. And I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want us to pray over America. I want us to turn and face the north. This is this way. And I want us to lift our hands because our capital is there. Both houses of Congress, our Supreme Court, our, our, our White House. I want you to lift your hands and I'm going to ask 100% of those in this room and those online to lift your voices right now and let's pray for America to have a revival. Revival in America. Come on, everyone. Come on, lift your voices. Lift your voices. Oh God, visit this nation. We humble ourselves. Lord, we repent for the idolatry. We repent for those that would close the house of God down and put idols in the house of God. Lord, we repent. We repent, oh God. We repent. Have mercy upon America. Have mercy upon this nation. We repent for the abortions. God, we repent for all of the the sexual sins, oh Lord. Father, we repent for the breakup of the family. Lord, we repent for the lack of biblical values, biblical morals, biblical principles being preached. Oh God, have mercy upon the churches of America. Oh God, have mercy. Have mercy, oh God. Have mercy, oh God. Forgive our sins. Heal our land, Lord. 
Turn our nation towards you, oh God. Turn our nation towards you. Lord, let there be a, a as Jonathan Edwards preached, oh God. Father, as Samuel Davies and George Whitfield and others, oh God, began to preach, that great awakening took place and our nation was in revival. Hundreds of thousands of people in the colonies were being born again and brought into the kingdom. Do it again, oh God. Do it again from north to south, from east to west. Lord, don't let it take judgment. But God, may we respond because of your love and your mercy and your grace. Father, we call this nation to you. We call this nation to you. Lord, I pray that prayer meetings will begin in Congress. Father, in the halls of Congress, Lord, in the congressional settings. Father, in the Senate, in the House of Representatives. May they be more concerned about the reading of scriptures rather than arguing and, and fussing and fighting, oh Lord. Father, I pray that the word of God will be reinstilled. Father, thank you for a 25-year-old that led a nation in revival. May we not despise the youth of this hour, but may we pray over the youth of this hour. Lord, I pray that you'll raise up some Isaiahs to this generation of young people and young adults and to this entire generational time that, Father, even adults need Isaiahs that they can look at. Oh, God, we need, we need spiritual warriors, spiritual leaders, oh, God, somebody that will rise up and lead this nation back to God. Raise up pastors. Raise up teachers, oh, God. Raise up apostles, prophets, oh, God, in this hour that will lead the nation towards righteousness and godliness. May there be a sovereign visitation of your spirit. Lord, we realize that the judgment is not very far off. We realize that men will stand before the great judge who examines every man, every woman, and knows the thoughts and intents. And Father, I pray that we'll get people back to the Word of God. May Evangel Temple be a more biblical church than ever before. A Word church. A church that, Father, we stand on the Word. We preach the Word. We believe the Word. We decree the Word. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we repent for our sins. We repent for our sins, oh God. Have mercy. You said in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen that if my people, and so Lord, you're not looking for the world to pray this prayer. You're looking for your people to pray this prayer. As intercessors over America, we pray for our nation to turn to God. We pray for our nation to turn to you, O oh God. Have mercy upon America, we pray. Have mercy upon our land. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want us to pray against the spirit of religion. Now, this is a, I want to, this is a targeted prayer because one thing Hezekiah did, he broke off the old religion. He destroyed the idols, destroyed even the brazen serpent that Moses had made. He broke down tradition. He broke down things that people were holding on to so that people could worship the true God. And there's a, there's a, there is a spirit of religion in our nation. And you know, maybe sometime we need to teach about this, but there's a spirit of religion that has people's eyes blinded to the truth. And I want us to pray. I, I believe this is a prayer that needs to be prayed. God showed me something in a passage 
a few months ago while I was praying during this entire season. And uh, one of his prophets stood up and God was about to break religion off of the nation. And uh, God used a young prophet to stand up in that hour in a whole nother setting and to preach against religion. And I want us to pray that God will open the eyes of people to a true Christian experience, an encounter with Christ. That's one of the first, that is the first pillar that we want men to encounter Christ. So I want everybody to lift your hands and I want us to pray that the spirit of religion will be broken. Come on, everybody pray. The spirit of religion will be broken over this nation. Lord, there's a religious spirit that's had men captivated that makes people feel that they're okay. That it's okay to do certain things and okay to live certain ways. Father, that's just a religious spirit that's been at work to deceive people. And we pray that that religious spirit will be broken from off of this nation. Father, we're claiming that men will be able to see and understand and perceive the truth of a real Christian relationship, of having Christ in them, the hope of glory, encountering Jesus who changes lives and who's full of grace and mercy. Hallelujah. The next prayer I want us to pray is something the Lord's put in my heart that I've been praying for a few weeks, and it's that light will dispel darkness. The Bible says men love darkness because their deeds are evil. And in our theme passage for our church for the last few years from Isaiah 60, verse 2 talks about gross darkness will cover the people but the Lord will arise upon He says, arise, shine, for my light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen. I believe he wants to raise his glory upon his church. Amen. The light's going to dispel darkness. I want us to prophesy. Now, I want you, this is different from a prayer. I want you to speak forth that light is shattering darkness, that darkness is rolling. I want you to make some declarative statements right now. Everybody online and everybody in this sanctuary, Come on, let's declare that the light is dispelling darkness. Come on, declare some things. Job 22, decree some things. Darkness, roll back. Light emanate. Light emanate. Light puncture the darkness. Push the darkness back. Roll the darkness back. The light of Jesus, he is the eternal light that this light shall shine and this light shall roll back the evil of this present age and the darkness of men's hearts will be penetrated by the light of the gospel hallelujah 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 we're going to pray a prayer a specific prayer for young people and young adults this is not to the exclusion of you middle-aged group and listen, I'm a senior citizen, all right? So I'm not excluding myself, but I know there's a generation that needs to encounter God. And Sister Jen, I want you to come. Pastor Mark and Jen are over our young adults. I want you to give her a microphone, Pastor Jordan. And I want us to pray that there's gonna be a radical transformation Hallelujah. Of youth and young adults, that this generation that's so, they're passionate about things, we're going to get them passionate about Jesus. 
We're going to get them on fire about Jesus. Listen, you watch. You watch. God's not finished. God's not finished. it's time to lift up a holy shout unto the Lord. Come on, I want you to lift your voice. Everybody at home, come on, come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice.
hallelujah. We're going to continue Wednesday night with a revival in America. I hope you'll be here. And uh, I want to pray. And then the worship team's going to lead us in two songs. And uh, for those that want to worship uh, for a few moments, but uh, two songs in worship. And Father, thank you. Thank you for our church family. Thank you for all of our online campus, our Middleburg campus, God, all of our friends. Father, thank you for allowing us to live in this nation. Father, I love America. I thank you for this nation. Lord, as I've traveled to numerous other countries and been in communist settings and socialist settings, Father, I, I thank you for America. Thank you for the freedoms that we enjoy, that we can be in this house of worship. Lord, thank you, Father, Oh God, that you give us the opportunity, Lord, to be in this house and, and to worship God to the dictates of our heart according to the scriptures. And Father, we just thank you for your heart for a world that's lost. You're not willing that any should perish. I pray that every man that's born again under my voice, every woman that's born again, this week will be an Isaiah to someone that we'll begin to intentionally speak into the lives and help direct people spiritually. We can't be silent any longer. We've got to lift up our voices in this hour. And we've got to see people turn to God. We've got to see people turn to Jesus. Have, a, have an incredible experience with the love of God through Christ Jesus. I bless our church family. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.